0: That time, the Sports Talker, here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody.
1: Happy Monday to be here T-50, The Sports Buzz. What an exciting basketball weekend it was. Uh, not as happy as an ending for Louisville as, as it was for Kentucky, uh, but two close games, two exciting games I I don't the Louisville Virginia game might have not have been might have been the most fun game for the casual fan to tune in to see two top 10 teams playing each other Uh, but it was close it it did come down to the wire uh, and those are two legitimate top 10 teams playing each other and that could be uh, a matchup that we will certainly see later because Virginia is going to have to come to Louisville uh, and maybe again in the ACC tournament and then you know who else besides that uh, Kentucky and Florida, we will see again as well. Not so much because uh, they'll they'll meet again in some deep postseason run, but because, again, the Gators are going to have to travel to Rupp Arena for UK Senior Day. Uh, Florida team that really gave Kentucky their best shot, especially for a half. Uh, and really, I, I think for an entire game, that Florida team can't play that much better. Uh, and Billy Donovan said as much after the game. So we're going to talk about those games. We're going to talk about Billy Donovan's comments, we're going to talk about Trey Lyles. Kentucky, quick turnaround. We'll take on LSU on, t- on Tuesday. Um, we'll, talk, we'll preview that game a little bit. Uh, there's a fun hypothetical question we're going to throw out there, and I look forward to hearing some of the responses from you all. Uh, and a, a solid weekend of college basketball altogether. Duke just dominates, dominates, dominates Notre Dame in a revenge game. Uh, so there is plenty to talk about. Yates, how are you today?
0: Doing well, TJ. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. It's been another busy day, unfortunately. I've had to run around all over the place. Uh, didn't have, I haven't been home all day, so I had to really rush to get back here. Uh, didn't have as much prep time. I would have liked to maybe get somebody on to talk today, but didn't have that opportunity. But we're here now. Did you have a good weekend with the uh, family?
0: Yeah, we had a good time.
1: That's good. That's good to hear. And did you get to enjoy the nice weather?
0: Um, yeah, a little bit.
1: Good. Good. That's good to hear. We I went golfing on Saturday. Uh, I got to enjoy that. Didn't get quite to uh, enjoy playing well in the nice weather. It was an ugly round. Not my first time out, so I can't use the shaking off the rust excuse. Uh, but it was... It still was nice to be out there. Get out there on the course. Anyways. Good sports weekend. And as Abe's here again, the dog. Uh, he's had a busy busy day today, but he's out playing around as well. So with Kentucky beating LSU, they find or Florida, excuse me, beating Florida, they find themselves at 23-0. Uh, one of the, the best starts in Kentucky history. And I was a little bit surprised on Saturday night after the game to see all the coverage that UK got from ESPN and, and various outlets. And the thing that it, it stood out to me, this isn't going to stop for Kentucky. Uh, every win they're going to do, ESPN and, and all these other national outlets, they're going to continue to build on it. And I was talking with somebody today. For the for the most, you know, for casual, not casual fans, but at least realistic fans in, in – fans that don't get, you know, I don't want want to say smart fans because that's that's not the right term, but for fans that understand how basketball works, a loss is not the worst thing in the world. You know, if Kentucky were to lose to LSU on Tuesday, odds are, unless something crazy happened, they'd still be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and get to play wherever they want to play in, in terms of the most... Uh, opportunistic sites a lot a losses don't really change things. one loss can't really make or break a season but with this kentucky team it's different it's again a loss wouldn't do anything for this team and and some people would even make the case that it would help them that's a whole different story and I, and I don't you know I don't know if I necessarily agree with that but watching these uk games and uk fans have told me it's different with this year. While a loss doesn't really change anything, how many times, how many other times in our lifetimes are we going to see Kentucky start a, a year 23 and 0? Because it's it's only happened a few times in 110 years, 112 years uh, of Kentucky basketball history. So how many times is it going to be a start like this again? How many times are you going to have a team like this again when you have nine or ten NBA players on it? So that does change things in, the, in these games. It adds a little more pressure for fans watching. Again, the good news is with these players being 18, 19 years old, all uh, the majority from out of state, you know, they don't, maybe they don't realize how historic of a start this is and already how historic of a season this is. But even for your level-headed fans that realizes a loss won't derail a season, it changes when the stakes are already as high as they are. And the way I see it, and I, I've never been one to do the 40 and no talk, and I've never been one to even do the you know, the 34 no-talk or the 31 and no talk. I never thought that they would realistically go undefeated during the regular season and SEC tournament, blah, blah, blah. But where we stand right now, there are only three more games on the schedule that UK really could lose. Now, could they drop one at home? Yeah, I, I guess because Ole Miss almost beat them at home. But realistically, they're going to take care of business at Rupp Arena. I think most of us would agree on that or at least presume that. So that leaves the LSU game, the Tennessee game, and the Georgia game all on the road. Florida was in that category, and they were able to win that one in terms of how the the SEC road games I guess in hindsight, maybe Texas A&M should have been considered one of those. But at the time, I think most U.K. fans figured that that would be a win, maybe a a blowout win. It wasn't. But I I think it really comes down to just three more games that Kentucky, troubling games that are going to stop Kentucky from going undefeated. And I think we uh, can all agree that Kentucky will likely win the SEC tournament. Again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But it's in Nashville. It's going to be a neutral floor with a very mediocre SEC. So once they get there, I think most UK fans are going to feel good about their chances. And the Cats haven't won an SEC tournament since 2011. Kind of crazy to think about. John, Cal- John Calipari has more Final Fours at Kentucky than SEC tournament titles. That's rare. That doesn't <laughs> In five years, that's crazy to think about. But there's three games left for Kentucky, three big ones, and one's on Tuesday night. Again, if you get Kentucky versus LSU and Rupp Arena on a neutral floor, oh, that's that's no issue. Same with Tennessee. And I'm almost close to the point to, to pushing the Tennessee game at, to a – as maybe that won't be as concerning, but the last time Kentucky played down in Knoxville, they got beat by a lot. I think that was – the last time, the NIT year, because I'm pretty sure they didn't play down there last year. But it's a tough place for Kentucky to play, Uh, historically. Knoxville is, is, in terms of, Kentucky has a winning record against every SEC team, but Tennessee is one of the tougher places to play. So, and then Georgia, Georgia talent-wise is probably the best team that Kentucky will face the rest of the year. That one on the road, that'll be their senior day. That'll be a tough game. It's really just those three. And again, crazy to think about uh, that Kentucky could actually possibly do that, uh, but the but long way to go. And again, we we we've talked about on this going undefeated doesn't mean anything if UK doesn't win a title. Kentucky goes thirty nine and one the season. The season was great for UK fans. It was enjoyable, probably a season they won't forget. But. It doesn't, it doesn't rank as the best season of all time. It's not a season that hangs a national championship banner. And at the end of the day, that's what Kentucky basketball is all about. Uh, so it'll be interesting. But uh, in that Florida game, to only have four players hit a field goal on the road in Gainesville, and yes, it's against a struggling Florida team. Yes, it's against a Florida team that's not going to make the NCAA tournament. But to be able to do that and really only have four players score, we say four players and make a field goal. Andrew Harrison hit a free throw and had one point. But to be able to do that on the road, that's crazy. And I almost felt a little bit bad for Chris Walker. I, I, was, I think I was a little bit tough on him on Friday. He, uh, again, maybe not the most likable guy in the world, but that's okay. That happens. That's my opinion. But has a terrible game. Didn't play a lot of minutes either. Didn't score. Only had two rebounds. But some of the other Florida play, players played well. Florida was able to get a big lead there in the first half. Uh, Cats did a good job storming back and to make it only down two at halftime. But what a game from, from Aaron Harrison. And this is why the, the twin talk gets so exhausting at times. Uh, <laughs> this is why it doesn't matter. This is why when people debate guards and why people criticize One guard versus another. And really, I don't need to even say one guard versus the other because the guard that always gets criticized is Andrew Harrison. He had a bad game. He had more turnovers than he had assists. He had more turnovers than he had points. Had more fouls than he had anything else. But UK still wins. And guess what? Tyler Eulis was bad, too. He was able to get five assists, but wasn't a, and it wasn't a great game for him. Didn't hit a shot, didn't score a point, didn't get to the free throw line. So, uh-oh, here you go. You've got the scenario where Andrew Harrison didn't play well and Tyler Elis didn't play well, but I thought it had to be one or the other for those guys. It had to be. Here you have it where it's neither, and Kentucky still cruises to a, a win on the road. That's the good news about when you have depth at the guard position. Because how likely is it that Tyler Uless, Andrew Harrison, Aaron Harrison, and Devin Booker all have off games? It's not super likely, and it wasn't uh, – Kentucky was halfway there, halfway to that nightmare scenario on Saturday, and that it seemed, seemed crazy that it could, it could even be that close to happening. It does. Kentucky still gets a big win. So that kind of puts that myth to bed that it has to be one or the other. Because guess what? There could be games like that where it's neither. And there also could be games where it's both. But it just always seems like it's always fallen back on Andrew Harrison. Maybe it's because he's a sophomore. Maybe it's because more things were expected out of him. Whatever it is, it's it's incredibly unfair. I, you know, I'm sure it, it bothers him. It makes sense. But this Kentucky team is, is certainly good enough where not one player's bad game can can cost them. And that's rare. You know, if Jaleel Locavore has a bad game for Duke, are they winning against a, a quality opponent on the road? Probably not. If Terry Rogier has a bad game, are they winning on the road? Probably not. So... But Kentucky, you know, I'm not comparing Andrew Harrison to those guys, but he is one of Kentucky's most you know most valuable players. But the thing is, every player on UK is. That's why that you don't you don't see any of these guys making all American list. It's just it's so balanced. So theoretically, Kentucky had you know six of their guys have bad games against Florida, and maybe only four of them had good games, and they still still were able to get a win. And speaking of good games, uh, it, you know, thirteen points and five rebounds—it's not your your biggest stat stuffer type of game. But Kali Stein was huge for Kentucky, especially after he had been slumping for a little bit. And that dunk he had against Florida—I loved all. I loved all the Brian Williams parody posts on Twitter. Say it was pictured of him saying that he he made the pass to Willie Cauley Stein when he dunked. That was one of the better Kentucky basketball dunks of all time. I don't know if I can think of one that that beats that. I think the Chuck Hayes alley oop against Florida back in two thousand three was was up there. Clint Azabuki had some great dunks. John Wall's dunk against UNC was memorable. But I think that Willie Colley-Stein dunk may be the best one that I've seen in my lifetime following Kentucky basketball. Devin Booker, solid for Kentucky. Carl Anthony Towns is is putting two halves together now, not just one good half, but putting back-to-back playing well coming a long way as a player he was great against Florida but again Aaron Harrison the star of the show for Kentucky still Kentucky's most clutch player still the guy that I think Kentucky has to have the ball in his hands when they need baskets he's able to get to the line he was able to hit threes able to hit jump shots 23 points a game high I really think at 23-0, and 0, Kentucky fans should be feeling good regardless. But I think especially after that Florida game, UK, UK should be very, very confident in their ability to, to make a deep tournament run. If you weren't already, which I'm sure you were because you follow college basketball and you've seen the competition and you've got, gotten to watch Kentucky play and you've gotten to watch Kentucky play against some quality teams, this is a game where things weren't going their way. It was Florida's Super Bowl. I hate saying that, but it was. And you're Kentucky's most, most clutch player in Aaron Harrison shows up, hits big shots, doesn't get a ton of help from a lot of other guys, and UK comfortably wins on the road. That game was really never in doubt under 10 minutes or however 5 to 10 minutes. You know, it might have been close. It might have been a four- to five-point game, and it's crazy to think that a four- or five-point game might not seem, might seem out of reach, but with Kentucky's defense, it, it kind of is. And Maybe I'm crazy for saying that, but what Florida had to do is hit a big shot and get a stop on Kentucky and come down and hit another big shot, and in that second half, with the rhythm and with the way that game was going, it just didn't seem likely. It didn't seem likely like that was going to happen. So, a, a huge win for Kentucky. Uh, and again, remember, they're doing it without Trey Lyles. They're doing it without Trey Lyles and Alex Poiters. Both huge parts of this team. Obviously, Alex Poiters is a part where Kentucky, Kentucky as a team has been able to move on from. But Trey Lyles, nobody really talks about. I, I think if you had another team lose as significant as a player as a Trey Lyles, which I don't really know which the what the trail what the Lyle's equivalent on Louisville would be. Yeah, it's any idea. Because I, I, you know he contributes more than Wayne Blackshear does, uh, and I know that's that might be the easy comparison because they play the same position and aren't the aren't the main scorers or guys on the team. But I, I, you know, I guess would it be Blackshear?
0: Yeah, I guess as far as. Where down the hierarchy you're you're talking about regard to that team Wayne Black is obviously the number four guy on Louisville so if that's where Trey Lyles is for UK then yeah
1: it, it, I guess that would be comparable but you know but even then even then and even though I think Trey Lyles is a much better player than Wayne Blackshear and I think anybody that has watched this season would agree with that if Louisville didn't have Wayne Blackshear that'd be a big blow I, I know Louisville fans are kind of upset with him and. You know he hasn't really reached his potential, or maybe his potential was just too high to begin with. But if Louisville didn't have Wayne Blackshear, that would be that would be tough for them. It put a lot more pressure on Terry Rozier and Chris Jones, Montrezl Harrell. So it, it, people aren't really talking about that being a, a significant loss, and it is a deep team. But uh, but you know I think it's I think it's underrated that's for sure. Now John Calipari spoke in the SEC teleconference today, said Trey Lyles will practice with the team in a limited role this afternoon, and, and his availability for the LSU game is uncertain. It, it seems to me unlikely that he'll play. We'll see. Again, if I'm John Calipari and he's he's not ready, I'd hold him out. And then guess what? You get South Carolina on 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 Saturday. That should be a game that Kentucky should be able to win easily. Maybe you transition him back into that game, nice and easy. And then you get him for Tennessee, which could be a tough game. So I'd I'd still be, I'd still be a, a bit conservative with how you play. Trey Lyles Clayby one sixteen tweets into the show says James Young last year against. UConn was way better. Willie's was nice, but it wasn't pure. Uh, it was more of a throw the ball in the hoop than a dunk. Uh, he said if he would have had control over it, he would rank Willie's dunk higher. Throw-in dunks take away from me. And really, though, it wasn't as much of a throw-in as you, you would think. It did have that little Blake Griffin throw-in style to it, like Clay once mentioning. But Willie got his hand on the rim. You know, it wasn't like he was two feet out and just very aggressively threw it in. You know, it wasn't your clean flush dunk, but he did get his hand on the rim too. I mean, it was, there was no doubt about it. It wasn't lucky. And the James Young dunk in terms of dunks in in themselves, maybe you're right. But that also came in a national championship game where Kentucky lost. So do you really want to remember that one? I mean, it was an awesome dunk. But it came in a loss. Russ Smith had some awesome dunks on Julius Randle last year, but they came on losses. I don't know if you can... There is something about a, uh, having an awesome dunk in a losing effort. But Willies came in a winning effort. And it, was, it was awesome. Claybe one sixteen, you you would not like that dunk. That's right up your alley, not to like it. We're gonna head to our first commercial break. Come back. I, I was I almost spent more time tweeting about Jay Billis during the UK Florida game than tweeting about the game itself. I'll talk a little bit about that. I've got a nice hypothetical question for you all that I want you all to participate in. Uh, so we'll we'll get to that in the second segment. It's it's a, it's a chilly, ugly Monday outside, but that's okay. Spring is right around the corner. 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ
1: Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back, second segment here. 1450 The Sports Buzz. Really, just a, a recap of Kentucky's season, uh, their outlook moving forward, what 23 and 0 means for UK, and, and talked about the Florida game and why I thought it was such an impressive win. That was that kind of sums up the first segment there. Klebe 116 is still on Willie Cauley-Stein's dunk. Said he he did get his fingers to touch the rim, making it better than the weak. He calls the Blake Griffin dunks weak. However, his fingers didn't hit the rim till after the ball's in the hoop. Like I said, I liked it. I just don't agree that it was one of the top UK dunks of all time. I don't know. I mean, it was such a jaw dropping, impressive play. The fact that SportsCenter only had a number five in the top 10 was unbelievable. Just a really, really impressive play. Uh, oh, Brun DMC texting the show, and another interesting topic about the, the Iowa player that keeps poking people in the eyes. We'll get to that. Uh, I wanted to talk about that, but I, there's some other things I need to talk about first. Uh, and I do appreciate you all texting into the show. So I, I tweeted a, a few things about Jay Billis on Saturday night. And looking back, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time during the UK game. Uh, but, it, but here's the thing. And, you know, I, I've got more Twitter followers than listeners on this show, so I wish that they could hear this. And it, it's a lot easier to explain my thoughts on Jay Billis on the air, which I'm sure I've done before. Uh, than in 140 characters on Twitter. But Jay Billis is smart. He's he's good at his job. He, he calls basketball games better than anybody else. He knows what's going on. His analysis of games are great. When it comes to X's and O's, I love to hear what he has to say. I value his input. Uh, he's fun because he's more down-to-earth than, than some of the older guys that they have covering college basketball, especially back in the day when they'd have uh, Digger Phelps and even Bob Knight. He was a brush of fresh air, and he, he's unbelievably successful. Uh, you know, people would kill to be able to to have the job that he has. That being said, his whole NCAA rant is played out. It's it, you should just stop. It's annoying. It's obnoxious. I'm sick of hearing about it. It, it seems nowadays in, in the and you know the the thing is people like it that don't follow sports as closely as maybe people that work in sports so they see this guy that's on TV and has this huge platform calling out people that usually don't get called out and they like it and they're drawn to it and they think it's cool because it's you're sticking up you're sticking up for the little guys you're being you know saying some controversial things I get why people are drawn to it. But when he says this all the time, and when he's constantly complaining and whining about it, it gets old. It gets old. Talk about something else. We get, we get your stance on that. I get it. And it'd be one thing if he was complaining about something and had a problem with something. But he doesn't really ever offer solutions to those problems. That's my biggest problem. That's my biggest biggest issue is he doesn't offer solutions or what he would do. And some people are listening and are probably thinking, well, yes, he does. He says this. He says that. Nine out of ten times when he says what the NCAA needs to do. Next time you listen to him, listen to how many times he says that somebody else needs – somebody needs to be held accountable. Some, a higher-up needs to be held accountable. University presidents, athletic directors, blah, blah, blah. That's not a real solution to say that somebody needs to be held accountable. Okay, what does that mean? What, do, do they get fired? Do they get fined? Do they – you know, what, what does that mean? He never really goes into depth past that because that's where it gets complicated. The stuff that he's talking about and hitting on, it's not perfect, and it's a, it's not to say that I like it. Now, again, I, I've been more in support of the NCAA than anybody else—not anybody else—but I'm in the minority of that where I'm not—I don't have my pitchfork and running around with, you know, looking to bring down the NCAA. I realize that the NCAA has some problems; it has some issues, but I think the system itself—at least the the foundation of it is solid, but that doesn't mean that some things couldn't be worked on or couldn't be fixed. But guess what? I don't know that I don't know the answers to them. I don't know what what would make it better. You know, I, I think what the NCAA is doing right now with cost of attendance and some of that good stuff is a, is a step in the right direction. But a lot of that stuff is higher than you know higher than what I can come up with. (laughs) More complicated than, I don't have solutions for it. So guess what? I don't spend an hour every day on my radio show complaining about it. Jay Billis seems to spend several several hours, whether it's in a broadcast or on college game day or even if it's on Twitter, complaining about something but not offering solutions. You know, everybody had that kid in class that would just always complain about something, always whine about something. And it was probably that same kid that would tell you that to ask your teacher if they were going to pick up the homework. This is an annoying, annoying person. I love what Jay Billis has to say, and I think he, again, I think he's better at his job than almost anybody else when it comes to calling games. I just wish he'd spend less time complaining and more time doing what he's great at. And that's why I went on that little rant. You had a good Florida-Kentucky game, and there was just... It seemed like a lot of the conversation... I don't know. So that's, that's where that comes from. Again, he's super successful. Everybody that's met him has said how nice of a guy he is. I'm sure all those things are true. It's just I, I'm done with his rants. I'm done hearing about it because it's just all the same. Anyways, we'll, we'll we'll close the books on that. Because if I go any further, then I'm going on a rant and whining and complaining and nobody li- nobody likes to hear that. I guess unless you tweet rap lyrics in the morning. Anyway, so this was a good hypothetical question that actually my brother brought up to me this weekend. And it's it's a tough one to answer. And I and I you all listening to the show that regularly tweet in, I would I would like to hear your opinions on it. If you could have one player back, healthy 100% tomorrow, if you're UK, are you taking Trey Lyles or Alex Poitras? Now, obviously, Kentucky's going to get Trey Lyles back, and they're not going to get Alex Poitras back this year. But if you could have a hypothetical, who are you going with in that situation? My initial thought is, well, Trey Lyles is more talented. He's a better scorer. So I think I'd go with Trey Lyles and I think I don't know. It's, it's really tough. I don't know if I have a, a, a real answer on it. but Alex Poiters can defend anybody. He's a better rebounder. Uh, you know I think Kentucky's rebounding has struggled since he's been out overall as a team. He can dunk anything any any you know anytime the ball goes up the rim it, Alex Poiters is probably going to be soaring for it. He's an energy guy. He hustles, you know. Offensively, he leaves some to be desired, but he does a little bit of everything, and he's played in big games before. He's been in a national title. He's been in an IT. He, he knows the peaks and the valleys. I still think I'd go Trey Lyles because he's a little more skilled, and I and I still think he's growing as a player. But it's tough. Captain Arctic says, Trey Lyles, absolutely no question. He brings so much more to the party, and we need offensive help. And that's kind of – Kentucky's going to be a great defensive team regardless. If they, if they don't have Trey Lyles or Alex Boythers, they're still a great defensive team. So I, that's why I lean Trey Lyles is because get the guy that helps you where maybe you're not as great. And I don't think Kentucky's a bad offensive team, but they obviously need a little bit of help. And Trey Lyles brings that for you. Captain Arctic says he loves Alex Boithers, but we don't need those splash plays this year. And supposedly, Captain Arctic is listening from Hawaii, which just, again, I need a vacation. We have my brother come on last week and explain his Super Bowl trip out in Arizona. And now we have Captain Arctic listening from Hawaii. It'd be interesting. Again, Kentucky's been hit with injuries worse than any any team, really any team that I can remember. You know, Tyler Ulyss has been out some games. Trey Lyles now. Alex Poitras, obviously. It's just it's such a deep team. You know, had Kentucky only gone six or seven deep and you lost two of those guys, well, that that becomes a big story. But I guess because this Kentucky team has so many five stars, it's not as not as big as an issue. But it is something that you know you want trade allows back as, as soon as as soon as possible. Anyways, uh, I wanted to spin. okay, well I guess I guess it would be an okay time to to talk about this as, as Brun DMT brought up well, hold on. We'll get to one more tweet before we, we change gears. clavy 116 says, I think the offensive problem is we aren't throwing enough alley-oops and dunking enough. Um, so he he would go with Alex Poitras. <sighs> Such a character, that clavy 116 So changing subjects. And Brun DMC brought this up that this Iowa player, Adam Woodbury, uh, is, has poked some people in the eyes, and it's a very Captain Insano move, as he says. If you guys remember Captain Insano from The Water Boy, he pokes people's eyes. If you see the clip of this Iowa player, and it was against Maryland, it. it the, This Iowa player, Woodbury, is deciding whether or not he wants to guard. He gets switched onto this other player. I think it might be a guard for Maryland. And he's deciding if he wants to commit to him or play off. And he's kind of putting his hand out there to get a feel for him and just pokes the Maryland player in the eye. And supposedly, he poked a pair of Wisconsin players in a game in mid-January. I don't know any player that has that kind of track record poking people in the eyes, three players in less than a month. I find that hard to be a coincidence. And they asked Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey after the game and Fran did not like the questions. The, the reporter just asked if that was a flagrant foul to poke somebody in the eyes. McCaffrey said, next question, ask an intelligent, intelligent question. The reporter came back, which you don't see a lot of reporters buzz back at coaches. I, I wish more would, but in the heat of the moment, usually you're so taken back, another reporter will jump in and steal your, steal your question. But this reporter asked, he said, well, what's unintelligent about that question? Why is that an unintelligent question? Fran came back and said, because I said so. But all I can tell you to do is to watch the video, YouTube the video, just Woodbury eye poke, and it looks very intentional. Now, you know, maybe, maybe it's just bad luck, but it's dirty. If, it, if, if, that's, if he's doing it on purpose, and again, I think he is, because how, how, how can you do that three separate times? That's, that is dirty. That's, in my, my opinion, that's worse than hitting somebody in their junk. You don't mess with somebody's eyes. That could be a, a serious, lifelong injury. Now, if you give another player a little love tap, that's dirty, too. And, you know, that should be a technical, maybe kicked out of the game. But you can recover from that. You poke somebody in the eyes and you get them in the right spot, they, you know, they, they could be blind, at least temporarily. Yates, was it Juan Palacios that had the bad eye injury from Ray John Rondo?
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: And that was incidental. But Juan, uh, Juan Palacios had to wear goggles the rest of his career, right? Or at least the remainder of that season after missing a few games. Could be wrong about that. So if he's actually doing this on purpose, uh, a, a suspension needs to need to occur. Anyways, we're going to head to our last commercial break. We'll come back. I need to talk Louisville, Virginia. Cards lose in Charlottesville in a, in a, in a weird game. This Louisville offense is weird. I think that's the best word to to use to describe it. We'll be right back after the break.
0: Back to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker.
1: We're back. One final segment here on a Monday. Everybody wants to get through. We're almost there. Yates, did you watch the Grammys last night?
0: I saw most of it, yes.
1: What's what's the appeal in watching the Grammys? I mean, I just, I don't know. Uh, As a, I'm 23... It doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me whatsoever.
0: Um, I don't know. I guess you are no fun. No.
1: But what's fun about it? I mean, what do you, do you like the performances? Yeah, the performances are like-
0: good. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I'm not watching to find out who wins. You can do that, you know, as it goes along on Twitter or the next day or something. But the performances, I enjoy the performances.
1: It's just I don't, there's nothing really about it that that jumps out of me to where I'd I'd want to watch. I I think Kanye West is a a goober and uh, fun to see how he reacts in public, and it seems like he didn't disappoint last night. But besides that, you know I don't I don't care what people are wearing, and I'm not I'm not a big concert guy to begin with, anyways. Where I, where I go to a lot of them, so I don't really you know I wouldn't really care to see those performances. But it does. Uh, it is a little strange to me just seeing so many, so many grown men on Twitter tweeting about the Grammys and and, and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, I'm in the minority because everybody's tweeting about it. But I'm just there trying to watch my shows. Walking Dead remains terrible. That show. I mean, I'm going to keep watching it, which is the sad thing about it. But, geez. Uh. Shameless is fantastic, the best show on TV. Did I I'm guessing you didn't get a chance to watch Better Call Saul? Yates.
0: I did not know.
1: Are you going are you planning on it?
0: Uh probably.
1: Think I'm going to too, obviously I was a big fan of of Breaking Bad. I don't think this is I I you know, I don't maybe I maybe it can be as good. I I I don't think so. But we'll see. Rob Blackhawk tweets in and says award shows are fun because there's a good chance you see a famous person make a fool of themselves, and you'll get to see a famous person making a fool of themselves with what they wear. It looked like Kim Kardashian was wearing a the robe, uh, just a really a bathrobe. But it's just it doesn't really interest me. Anyways, Louisville, Virginia game. Louisville held at thirteen points in the first half. It the game was it was only eleven an eleven point game, but Louisville's offense in that first half did have a very UCLA first half versus Kentucky feel to it. Now Kentucky put up forty one points, Virginia only twenty four, but I mean it was. Historically, for Louisville, that had to be one of the worst first halves since the addition of the three-point line in the college game. And watching it, you could almost tell right away that it was going to be—it's such a Jekyll and Hyde Louisville offense that it was—it it, the the ugly side was going to pop out. It seemed that Louisville's players were second-guessing shots. No confidence at all. But whatever was said at halftime worked. Louisville looked like a much different team in the second half. Shot at a very high clip. Started to see Terry Rozier get involved. And just like Kentucky, only four Louisville players hit a field goal. Now, Kentucky was able to score 67, 68 points. Sixty nine points, however many it was. Louisville stuck at forty seven. Now again, at Virginia, debatably one of the better defensive teams in college basketball versus at Florida. Okay, that makes sense. And you know, you can't compare those performances. But Louisville's offense needs some help. And Yates, outside of those three that are going to score, and Blackshear would obviously be the fourth, but there has got to be a fifth and maybe even a sixth that are able to put up six to 12 points on any given night. Uh, just, there has to be. You can't come up with your fifth guy putting up nothing, and obviously most, most teams couldn't do that anyways, uh, against a good defense. But who are the most likely candidates to be an 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 offensive player that forget about breaking through or breaking out, but that just can show up a little more consistently? And ideally, it'd be a front court player. But it doesn't seem that, that that's going to happen for Louisville. So Yates, who would you say is the Louisville player that needs to to start scoring a, a fifth or sixth option?
0: Um, I don't know me or, or anybody. I mean I, you it's hard to say who it it could be or should be when nobody besides those top four guys has shown any ability to score consistently at all. I mean I don't know. I mean like like you said you you would hope that it would be a front court guy because they they get absolutely nothing from the center spot which makes running your offense even more difficult. Uh, but I mean, maybe, I don't know the next potential person you would think maybe would be Shaquan Aaron, because he's supposed to be a pretty skilled scorer, but he's not really shown an ability to do anything at this point. So I don't have any idea who it, it could be.
1: It, it, it's kind of a catch 22 because Shaquan Aaron can score. I, I've seen it. I, uh, I've seen it at a high school and camp level at Jalen Johnson. Snyder, anybody that followed basketball here in Kentucky, even even Gil, but here's the catch twenty two about it is that, okay, you're going to play those guys over Rozier, Jones, Blackshear. You know, you can't go out there with four guards, especially when your fourth guard would be, especially when Chris Jones is so small. Rozier is not one of your bigger guards. It makes it tough. So it almost has to be a front court player. And you look at the number, the minutes that Shaquan Aaron and those guys got. Nobody over, Shaquan Aaron didn't get over five minutes. No other guard got over five minutes in that game. So that almost puts, it, uh, puts pressure on it being Matthew Yang or Onoaku. But they're just not good offensive players. They're just not. And it's not, the thing that's alarming to me is not so much that Matthew Yang and Anawaku aren't scoring, although if Louisville wants to, to reach its goal this season, somebody's got to step up. And it probably does have to be a front court player just because that's where the minutes are available. But for those two guys to go the entire game and not attempt a shot or a free throw is head-scratching. It's unbelievable. And I, I don't know how that could happen. They're not even involved in the offense. And again, Virginia's an exception because they're, they're just freakishly good defensively. But if, but again, Louisville's not making a Final Four unless they get some help offensively. There, it's not going to happen. And the good news is, I, 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 think, I think Patino will find a way to get some other people involved. And and you know, there could be some games where nobody else steps up, and Rozier and Jones and Harrell can carry the load. But it'll be interesting. It was a nice comeback for Louisville to make that game interesting and put some pressure on Virginia to make big plays, which Virginia did. That's just a, a tough. That was a tough environment, tough, tough place to win. Captain Arctic tweets in and says, "With apologies to my girlfriend, who's a Louisville fan and Louisville grad, Patino looks like he's filled with embalming fluid, yet a living human being. Alarming." There are some times when Patino looks great, and there's other times that he doesn't. He he looks a little bit older. I'd say that the beard needs to go though. That's for sure. Alright, we're out of time for today. That seems like a good place to end it. <laughs> I like Rick but the beard is not a good look. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow previewing Kentucky LSU. 1450 the Sports Buzz. We'll see you then.
0: The dark, all your and down the park. Yo.